and you want to be my latex salesman. <laughs> you good? Yeah. All right, we'll go. For All right, Mark, uh, help us make small talk. Yeah. Stock. <laughs> help us make small talk, Mark. Make us make small talk. Hey, make the small talk, Mark. From the conductor offices in New York City, this is Search on Tap. Hey, and welcome to Search on Tap. My name is Pat Reinhardt. With me, as always, are my colleagues, Stefan Bajayo. Hey, guys. Ralph Durso. Hello, hello. And we have a very special guest today, which we are very excited for, Bill Seabold of Green Lane Marketing. Hey, thank you very much for having me. Hey, Bill. How you doing, buddy? Good. Doing well. Good. Thanks for coming all the way up from New York from Philly, right? That's right. How's it going down there? How's the weather? Oh, it's the same. It's not yeah. that horrible, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's only an Amtrak. It's only an Amtrak away. <laughs> it's like you came from California. How's the weather down there? It's like, yeah, man, it's like an hour away. Like, yeah. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about algorithm shifts and all the time that people more or less waste on them. You know, it's a big topic that I've been talking to our customers about here at Conductor. Um, but, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think what, what, what the big takeaway from most of my conversations is, I think a lot of people are spending too much time on them, right? And I definitely want to get everyone else's opinions on this. But, you know, to me, there's been a lot of folks who have spent, spent a lot of time kind of digging into, hey, what is, you know, hey, you know, Fred launched and all these other, you know, and all these other things launched. And I'm going to go and find exactly, you know, what the silver bullet was that negatively impacted my site. And I'm going to spend all of this time doing this, you know, doing these tasks to figure that out. And to me, and you guys can disagree with me, disagree with me if you want. The problem with that is that people are spending more and more time, you know, digging into their sites and trying to find the problem than actually spending time on making their sites better and making their content better. Uh, you know, and that's a big problem. I've been trying to change some minds there by saying, you know, my opinion on the whole thing is that you know every update is a quality update. I think one of Google's biggest mistakes was giving algorithm updates a name because I believe a name gives these algorithms, you know, kind of power over people because people have something that they can blame. And I think instead of, you know, kind of focusing on, hey, listen, you know, maybe we should, you know, maybe we shouldn't be spending all of this time on these algorithms, you know, updates and how they're affecting our site, but maybe we should actually be focusing on our sites and trying to figure out, hey, why did we, yes, we should know why we got, we, we were negatively impact, but maybe we should be spending the time more on the site and less on the analysis. Of course, the analysis is necessary, but maybe only a couple of days there, and then maybe a couple of months or a couple of years in some in some cases, we should be spending on the site. We'd love to get the group's thoughts on that. Bill, let's start with you. There's buzz in the forums. People are saying they're noticing their rankings going up and down. Yeah, but that's such a fraction of people. Yeah. And it's like... And consider who those people are, too. Yeah, yeah. I Black mean, hat world and stuff. But it's also, I, I think Google, yeah. when they make changes, sometimes they go in targeting niches. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that's never really been my uh, my interest. I, I like looking at what I try to the, the forensic SEO thing. That that's that's so much uh, to me that that's really not the way that you should be looking at it. I think you ought to be checking out what went wrong to the point where it doesn't get in the way of using up your valuable resources and time because everybody's busy. Mm-hmm. Nobody has unlimited time. If you can look at something and say, oh, I got it. Um, here we can make this tweak." really quickly and move your rankings, move your traffic, move your conversions, that's that's a real, really rare uh, 
chance because you're usually not going to find any kind of smoking uh, or silver bullet. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think time is way better spent going after the things that you know that Google is looking for and tr- kind of looking at it and saying, instead of trying to figure out what went wrong, let's figure out how we can make this better, make this 10 times better than the thing that's ranking number one, make this uh, 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 update proof, right? Because Google's making more than 400 updates across all their algorithms. Let's focus on being better so we always survive those and not spend all our time in the back trying to figure out what the hell happened because it's just not the right way to go. We've had clients that, that have pulled us back there and we always try to say, don't do that. Let's look forward. Let's keep pushing forward. Let's keep trying to build for the future instead of spending all the time in the back. And it's a hard thing to convince some people to do because they're hung up on, or they just, a lot of times I think a lot of people just don't understand the way that Google works. Google's constantly moving forward, mm-hmm. right? Google's always trying to shake that tree and knock the people who are number one off so they can keep the results fresh. So looking back and going, wow, why'd they do that? Nah. Push yourself forward and keep trying to prove to Google that you're supposed to be there, that you're an authority, that you're valuable, that you really deserve to be in that top position. That's that's really the approach I take. Yeah, you know, it's funny you, you mentioned that. Um, I, the way that I think about, um, I'm always interested in people that chase algorithms. And the reason why I'm so interested is how do you actually know it's done, right? Like, traditionally, the way algorithms tend to roll out is they roll out over time. They're not really well defined as to how they roll out to the public. We're just, it's like spotters, right? There's like people in shark towers that are essentially like looking out and they're like, I see a fin. There's an algorithm coming, right? And everyone's like, oh my God, get out of the water. There's an algorithm coming. And when you think about it, like, that's not really a very scientific way to prepare yourself for what's coming, let alone when it does happen and when all of a sudden you see a bunch of fins in the water. Um, do we know that they're going to stick around? Like, so I found when I've looked at some pretty massive changes on sites, Google usually turns the knob all the way to the left, like way too high, then recognizes they made a mistake, then turns it back to the right, probably further down than they should because they're like, oops, our bad. And then they go somewhere in the middle. So like, while you're trying to figure out what the hell happened, it's still happening. Like... There are still sharks coming in and sharks leaving. And like whether or not the water's safe, I don't know. But I don't think I should swim because of it. I don't know if that was a really good analogy, but we could cut that last part out if needed. No, that's fine. And I think, you know, it's a good point, though, because, you know, Google, you know, Google's algorithm is kind of, you know, I actually say this all the time, it's like the ocean. You know what I mean? So, you know, just building off of your shark analogy, you know, it's kind of like the ocean. There's waves, there's ebbs and flows, there's tides, you know, there's swells, and it goes up and it goes down. There's nothing we can really do about that outside of stopping the moon from, you know, moving around the earth. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, I think that it's a good analogy because how do you know, right? And I think that kind of goes back, Bill, to what you're saying. Like, you know, just you know, just do what's do what's best for the for the site. You know, do what's best for what's going to move forward because Google's going to move forward without you, no matter what, right? Again, you know, I always say that. And I was just saying to, to Bill before was that you know, it, it, you know, algorithm changes like de- death and taxes. You can count on them because they're going to happen, and you're going to have to deal with them no matter what, whether or not you're you're doing anything or not. They're going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually the thing, uh, to your point, Pat, is that I think like all we can really do is prepare for the potential of them. Um, there's no real reason or, or good point to like look back. Um, all we can kind of do is prepare. So, for example, if you're um, if you're an SEO and you're, you're working on your website and you're pretty aware that you have a kind of a wacky and kind of a toxic link profile, you should be kind of actively working to potentially like disavow some of those links that you know are not good um, just in case something bad were, you know, another algorithm change were to happen. 
um, just so you're not like adversely affected by that uh, by that change. Um, or if you know that like your content on your site is thin, and you know there's you know like you had mentioned before, like quality updates happening all the time, you know actively working to build up that you know build up those signals so you're sending a stronger uh, you know stronger message to the engines. So if something does happen. Maybe if you are hit at, hit by it at all, you're not hit hit at you know hit uh, hit as badly. So. Yeah, and I think it all comes back to you know having a strong foundation. And I've found that over the course of my career, that I've spent the majority of my time with clients. Not necessarily. I mean, I've been guilty of the algorithm chasing thing. I really have. You know, uh, I used to work in an agency, um, and you know, I worked there for for six and a half, seven years. And you know, we spent a lot of time, especially when you know Panda first started rolling out and Penguin first started rolling out. No one really knew what they were. No one really knew how they were impact. You know, our jobs changed overnight as SEO strategists. But I've found that I've spent the majority of my time. Um, you know, helping people to build stronger foundations from an SEO standpoint. And I found that when folks have a strong foundation and then they build off of that, they're affected less by these shifts, right? Because they have a good, they have a good strong footing. Yes, they may see ups and they see downs. You know, that, that's just the nature of the beast and nature of the business, really, is that you're going to see ups and downs. But at the end of the day, it's one of those things where you're, you're just going to have to go with it. But I've seen that when people have a stronger foundation, both from a technical and content standpoint, you see less of these shifts and less of these moves. So, Bill, you run an agency. Pat just talked about being in an agency really hard not to chase the algos when you're in an agency simply because your clients demand it how the heck do you keep them from doing that you don't answer their calls <laughs> <laughs> i've been wondering why your cell phone's been ringing this whole time <laughs> i think it's it's really about educating the um the clients to see the way you see it right i love the shark analogy right no don't go hunting the sharks why don't we create a boat that can't be sunk by the sharks you know, let's put some harpoons on there and some shark repellent. Remember, Batman had the shark repellent. Yeah. Like, let's <laughs> totally that, real. That thing's gonna survive. Shark repellent. That's awesome, yeah. <laughs> that thing's gonna survive. So, to me, it's a it's a real um, situation of education. Um, the way that that we sort of work, we're we're very uh, we're a lot more like uh, consultants, right? We're not just hey, here's a, a thing that we built you and had built for others and throw it over the fence. It's very much uh, this is what problem you're trying to solve. Let's solve it together. So you need to be aware of how it works because you're not an SEO expert and we have people that are. But we need to know how your business works. We need to know what your goals are. We need to know what your challenges are so that we can adopt them as well and kind of work as an extension of your team. So there's education on both parts, um, and we're really focused on that. Like we want to – I've had clients say, hey, can you teach us what you're doing? And, and yeah, we're, we're trying to teach you what we're doing. Like we think that that's much more valuable if you know SEO as well that we could all work on this together. Education yeah. is a really big part of what we offer. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's interesting. Like, we've, we've talked to a lot of agency folk who say, like, an educated client is a good client, right? And, like, having someone who understands that. I guess, I guess the biggest concern there, and maybe I'll kick this back to the three of you gents who have been at agencies before, um, how do we combat the SEO by blog aspect that, like, blog is our search industry, the fodder of our search industry, in having to have something to write every day, right? I think about how tough that must be for search engine land. Like, they gotta jump on the algos, right? Any sniff of an algo, it's like, oof, someone thought of a shark at the beach. Let's talk about it, you know? Like, like ooh, let's talk about the worst shark attacks in history. We'll do an article on that. Like, so I'm not knocking those publications. I think they're great in their own right. I also think that they have to kind of follow this, but unfortunately the uneducated 
clients and others are the ones who end up reading that by just happenstance. And then we have to kind of explain, explain, explain. I think it's always been that way since even the 90s. It's been so much disinformation and misinformation. You know, we're a, a channel that grew up in the blogosphere. And that's that's why this is so unique. I mean, they, I guess some people teach. Cl- I teach a class, actually. Um, there, there are some classes in, in school. And there are books and the books are, you know. Some are good, some are bad, but they always get outdated. Like we, we have to learn from what we got, which is the blogosphere. But what what's I think the, be- what's the best do, book you've read recently, just to, to throw one out, or one of your favorite books of all time, so we can give the audience a good, uh, a good one. A, uh, a marketing book? Yeah, you know, one that you know, kind of you think would be worth reading. I know there's some old ones, but are there any in your? I'll be honest. Personal? I don't think I've read a full book all the way through. Um, Because I do read the blogs, and that's it. I mean, I I jump around so much between the different blogs that I don't think I've ever actually read a full marketing book, like a digital marketing book, Mm -hmm. on tactics or or strategy. Sure, because by the time they go to print, they're pretty much outdated. I'm the same way. You know, like I I don't think I've ever I've started them, and I've got and I've gotten you know you know two thirds maybe way through. But I'm a I'm a blog junkie. Um, It's something I do every morning. I have my you know I have the ones I do. I'm and I'll say like I always read Search Engine Roundtable. You know, Barry is always on point he knows everything that's going on that guy is a robot you know he runs on gasoline i don't know how he i don't know how he monitors the amount that he monitors he's so clear but yeah you know and he just knows everything and he knows everyone and but he's you know but he's a trusted source you know to me it's more about the source that it's coming from because in our industry it's so easy to find someone who's not in the know and who's just writing something, you know, kind of based, based not even on anything, you know, and it's just like, and I trust, like, I go to the trusted sources there and he's one of them, you know, to know, okay, at least I know that the stuff that he's reporting is legit. And, you know, you read marketing books and there's some great ones out there. Don't get me wrong. There's some great ones out there, but, you know, you start them and I've gotten, I've gotten some of the way through them and I just, I lose interest along the way. And, I, you know, I, I don't know if that's just because my attention span has, you know, has shrunk since I've had children. Uh, you know, but I think for the most part, I get more out of the the, the snippets and the blogs. You know, what I mean, I get more out of the short reads that get that are very punchy and to the point than I do out of the the big, you know, grand. Okay, you know, I'm going to read 350 pages on you know this this particular individual's thought. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just not the particular medium that I'm used to. If I can actually circle it back too, because of all the misinformation, disinformation out there, you know, how do we make sure that we are getting the right information. I don't think we can filter it out. What I say to my team all the time is test it. Don't listen to anything. Test it. Try it. Uh, you know, when your clients are actually paying you to figure things out, they're, they're paying you to, to experiment. They're paying you to try things. Um, here's a great example. Remember, we were all doing page rank sculpting, and, and Matt mm. Cutts was like, yeah, page rank sculpting. You guys, it's okay to do it. And you can put no followers all over, you know, your footer links, whatever. And we're doing it. We're doing it. And people are writing about how well it's working. And then also Matt Cutts comes out. A year later, he goes, oh yeah, we stopped doing, you know, letting that be a. <laughs> we stopped falling for that uh, signal a while back ago. But we're all going, oh yeah, it's working. Yeah. No, you, <laughs> we're we're in the echo chamber. We have to test our own stuff. So no matter what you read, I think you have to apply it, and you have to let your clients know, like, we're going to try this. This is what we're expecting. It may not work. This is an experiment. Everything we do, SEO is an experiment. Everything we do is an experiment. So I think that's the important part. 
Yeah, and I think um, one of the great things I think just about SEO as an industry in general is just like the user-generated content. Like everyone's kind of sharing their experiences as they learn about the algorithm and how their websites, you know, work mm -hmm. with it along the way. And there's so much like even in the weeds, like super granular technical stuff out there that you you might Google this like super long tail question about like something relating to duplicate content or whatever, or like you know Angular JavaScript or something crazy. But someone has posted something about it, and there's always like other people commenting and it's always just like more information and more layers for you to dig into and that again you know builds your point like definitely um you know helps you test and helps you kind of come up with new ideas and inspires you to really move move on to new things so that's like one of the i think one of the my favorite parts about the industry it's always fresh it's always interesting yeah and th that kind of circles it back to the algorithm you know topic that we you know of course started this on is that i think that we're all learning and teaching in real time right so like stefan to your point from before it, it you know it's like when you read one of those books you know it's fine you know but you know, it might be outdated by the time you get you get yeah. to the end. You could start reading it on Tuesday, and it could be wrong by Friday. You know, and so that that's why I have a tough time getting through a book unless it's on overall marketing strategy and things like that. Okay, yeah, that that's that's fine. But I think for this particular en industry, everything moves so quickly and everything's so unique at so at so many times. Of course, there's try you know there, there's tried and true tested methods that work, especially within organic search. But I think that with the algorithms changing so often and as you said four you know what was it 400 times uh 400 times a month or uh something like that or there's, there's i would say there's more changes yeah. than days in the year yeah yeah you know what's interesting about that so i was not to bring us to other analogies but like we're the accountants of search and accountants I mean, yeah well guess what did you know like the u.s tax code i think last year changed 522 times in a year really yeah meaning like and someone can fact check on, me on that. And I'm sure I'm going to get blown up later. <laughs> fake news, Twitter, fake news. On Twitter, <laughs> fake news, fake news. Fake news. Fake news. But we're used to fake news in search, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Bill brought that up, right? We grew up in the world of the blogosphere. So the idea that any Joe Schmo could snap their, you know, their laptop up, power up a screen, and throw some stuff on the net and say, this works, um, that was pretty much just as valid or post in a forum as like what you would hear from like a publication, and I put publication in quotes because they had to grow up in our space, right? To become the Barry Schwartz trusted resource mm -hmm. of proving themselves time after time that they were right, they caught it in advance, things happened. So I think people have a, a very jaded um, view of like, you know, things, search is like, if search is like being an accountant, right? You have to, there's no guarantee that I'm gonna save you money on your taxes. There is a guarantee that we're going to have to work on your taxes or else you're going to be screwed, mm -hmm. right? And if I don't work on your website, you're probably screwed. So, like, the idea is if we if these things are changing so frequently, there's no way anyone can keep up with the tax code. No one can ever keep up with the algorithm, right? You can only see which parts of it there are loopholes and problems and places that you can take care of your client and fix things so that they get the best returns possible. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the, the whole thing about that is, so I completely agree with you on that, right? But, you know, as things change, it kind of even goes back to uh, a point that was made earlier, um, is that, you know, as, as all these things change, 
every like there are certain clients and certain customers and people that get kind of obsessed about these algorithm updates and that's something that i've certainly experienced i know ralph has experienced um you know in our careers when a client becomes obsessed with a particular update and starts to say hey listen you know i need to find out what happened i need you to go find out and then you say you're a person at an agency and you look back and you you say hey i've spent the last three to six months investigating you know this issue there's been 15 more algorithm updates that have happened since that time and we haven't done anything to your site right and i remember back um you know back in my in my agency life i had this one client who who really only cared about one keyword they cared about one keyword and you know that's tunnel vision to the extreme right but i remember when um it was one of the panda updates. Uh, I can't. I can't remember which. There's been like like four, you know, forty five of them. Um, you know, when when one of them rolled out, it was and it was one of the ones that had it had a more of a major impact. And they went from number two to like number eight, right, for this one particular keyword. And the funny thing was, this keyword didn't really drive that much, that many conversions for them. It was just they wanted to rank for it, right? It had didn't really have that huge of an impact on their business. But that's a, that's another time, um, you know. But and I remember like I I had these conversations with him over and over again. And I was like, I was like, we have to move past this. We have to move past this. And ultimately, I had to, you know, I had to pass the account off to someone. I was like, I need fresh eyes. And, you know, because I needed another opinion, you know, I needed another opinion to come in and say, hey, listen, we have to stop spending all of our time on this. They were paying us a lot of money and we weren't actually enacting any change onto the site. We were just chasing this rabbit down a hole. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's one of those things where, and Bill, I, I probably ask the best person to ask you this since you're, you, know, you run an agency. Do you have any clients like that, that that you still deal with things like that or have you in the last few years? Oh, yeah, all the time. We call them CEO keywords. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody has a, uh, like a radio station. They want to rank number one for coffee because people drink coffee yeah. when they listen to the radio. No. <laughs> no, no, this isn't how it works. So what we try to do is essentially we're, we're showing them, hey, you know, there's a whole thing called the long tail and there's there those are usually more uh, qualified terms anyway and they convert better for you. So why don't we focus on this? I understand it's a business goal. I understand it's, you know, a word. these are a couple words that's important to you. But think about all this other stuff that you're not getting and try to show them the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I think when you can put that in front of um, whoever is, you know, asking for these, these rankings on these handful of terms, when you say, look at all this you're missing, the gain here probably isn't going to be that great. Uh, and then come to some sort of uh, agreement. We'll do this and your stuff. I swear most times. They forget about that stuff, that and stuff. they start focusing on the the right thing, the mm -hmm. big picture. Um, and we always said, right, SEOs, we live in the long tail. We sit forever. And I used to say, there isn't an industry in the world that that one keyword dominates. Well, I found a few. Like there, there actually are some cases where they don't rank for anything, or they don't get traffic for anything. He said maybe like three or four hard to get keywords. So they're out there. I won't lie, but they're pretty, pretty rare. Pretty rare. You know? Yeah. And you know, to, to me, it's just it's funny, and I like I like the term CEO keywords. I, I like that I like the term. I'm going to steal that from you. Unfortunately, uh, the gig <laughs> is up, dude. What? If your clients start listening, the gig is up. The gig. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, take this with a grain of salt. He didn't uh, mean it. Yeah, uh, no, but you know, in all honesty, it's 
I like the way that you, so that you 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 kind of get to this point where you agree. It's like okay, we're going to focus on these two things, and then you start pushing the right thing, right? Because that's what I, I mean. I think that's what we try to do here, at conductor, as well. Is you know we try we always try to push in the right direction, but also be respectful that hey, listen, this person cares about this particular thing. We understand that, and I think any SEO, any any search marketer should you know should care about that. That listen, if your client cares about a, a specific thing you shouldn't just say you, you we can't look into that at all you know we should just ignore that i'm not saying that but i like that approach it's like hey listen let, let's meet in the middle you know like we'll spend some time on this and like let's spend time on all this right stuff that we believe is right and then ultimately as you're pushing the right stuff it kind of separates and then the you know the the obsession part kind of goes away no yeah. that's a great that's a great point i mean that's a great point to to take the person's it's almost like the shiny toy syndrome right like you, the only way you're going to get the person distracted away from the where the dog, let's say, that's got the bone, mm-hmm. is to just show them the shiny toy that just distracts them and makes them go, okay, yeah, I got it. Okay, yeah, we should probably let go of that. And at the end of the day, the shiny toy is actually probably better for them yep. in a weird way in this case. But, like, it's, it's, it's rough to think that people I, – I think it's the obsession that our industry has in – People have more data than I do, and someone clearly knows that there was an algorithm shift. Something massive occurred. Someone was able to look at enough data to validate that that happened. That they have to trust it because they're looking at less data. You know, I mean, does anyone feel that way? Am I the only one that thinks that, like, what are the sources that provide us the insights to the fact the algo shifts happened? Mainly, I mean, webmaster tools. Well, I mean, really, Mozcast, Rank Ranger. Right. uh, People that have access to aggregate data, right? Not people, not the average webmaster, right? Even if you're running, like, a huge site, Ancestry.com, something Mm -hmm. like that, right? Even if you're running this huge site, you can look in your analytics, and hopefully you'll see the shift. I mean... Maybe not, depending not. on... Well, it depends. Maybe it has a positive impact, right? We, we always talk about algorithm shifts as if there's, they're always bad, right? But the fact of the matter is, it's a zero-sum game. Someone goes up when someone goes down. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, someone does win in the algo. So, you know, they're... they're I guess the shark analogy might not be so good anymore. They were actually dolphins, and it's going to be enjoyable in the water. Um, but you get my, you get my point. Like dolphins can be vicious too. I man. mean, against sharks, but not necessarily people. I mean, you go to like one of those places in Florida, and you know, it's like go swim with the dolphins. <laughs> All right, you guys get my point, right? I'm not crazy. Yes, maybe, yes. Maybe the dolphin slightly. becomes the shark, yes. or the shark becomes the dolphin. Damn it. Yes, we understand. All right, I give up. <laughs> Back to you, Bill. Oh, man. <laughs> Hand this potato to me. Ooh, man. Hot potato, hot potato. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, I think... It, it, but you make a good point because there's, there's almost like data... Oh, God, like, what, what's the best way to put it? It's like data jealousy. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I, I mean, you talk to a lot of folks who just, like, they can't get enough, right? And then I also think there's kind of some paralysis that comes along with too much data. Um, like when you when you have someone who has a few like two or three trusted sources that they use, I think that that's fine, right? I think that if you have like two, three sources, maybe even just two, that you're like, hey, listen, this is where I'm going to trust. I think big problems like that come up, especially when these these shifts happen, is when people are looking at like 10, 15 different data sources that are kind of telling different stories. Um, you know, every once in a while, like the big guys, and Google has confirmed this, that the big guys that track data like this, like like I said, like Rank Ranger, um, you know, Mozcast, stuff like that, they actually get it right 
most of the time, and I'm doing quotation marks for our listeners. Yeah, that doesn't um, work on a podcast, dude. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, I'm trying, right? <laughs> I'm trying, right? I'm, I'm just, I'm still doing it. By, by the way. way, guys, there's two bunnies just hopping around in his hands, just two little, little word bunnies. <laughs> So, but with that said, like, I think that when you have too many, like, sometimes too much data can be bad because that sends, that, that create, that digs more holes that people can go down. And I think when people have one, you know, one or two or three sets of data that they can, you know, that they can trust and that they believe in and say, hey, listen, you know, this is, this is what we believe happened. That's a better route to go than trying to collect all this data from like 15 different, 15 different areas. So I have a belief that Google Analytics is one of the best and worst things to ever happen to digital marketing, right? Because I, I was around when like AdWords came out. We were guessing a lot and trying to figure out, oh, what are we doing with this marketing thing? It's not great tool. And then AdWords came out. It's like, oh, wow, we can get a lot of data. To the point where as I grew in my career and more and more data was accessible, it seemed like the places I was working, everybody was staring at this data going, we can't make any decisions because this won't let us. And I'm looking at it, here's an example. We were trying to start a social channel in 2010. Well, we're looking at this data, and this data saying, you know, people do this. And I'm like, well, that's not at all what you do in social media. Social media is a lot more about things that you can't contain mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. those little numbers that you have on your spreadsheet. There's there's a bigger thing happening here with Facebook, with Twitter, with, with these uh, different platforms. And I think what it did is is it sucked some of the creativity out. Right, because what we stopped doing was looking, looking, um, you know, creatively, and then looking for the storylines within the data. We're just looking at these numbers, these rigid little figures on the on a spreadsheet, and saying we have to follow this. We can't be creative outside of it. And I think that's a bit of a miss. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of marketers who do really big things, who had a hell of a lot less data, were very successful yeah. without that data. They had, they definitely had insights. They definitely had a. A little bit of directional data, mm-hmm. but and maybe didn't have the mounds and mounds of what we got. But I, I do think some of it stunted our creation in mm-hmm. digital marketing in the last mm-hmm. eight years. That's a thought I have. You must agree with it, otherwise you're wrong. But <laughs> no, I mean I think it's it's an interesting point of view. And you know, Google like the biggest complaint that I always get from Google Analytics, right? Which is my which is my preferred you know analytics platform because it's very intuitive, it's very easy to use. Um, is it's a that, great cost too? Yeah, great cost. I mean, hey, you can't beat it. Um, is the sampled data you know that comes from that's one thing that throws I think throws a lot of people off is if you don't you know if you don't have the premium you get that sample data you know you can have more more you know slower more provision you know more precision faster um, and less precision um, that doesn't bother me because like I said um, I, I think it's it's still the the best you know the probably the best way that you can you can just get everything that you need in a quick way um, I mean, I find, I mean, I, I like Adobe too. I mean, Adobe's much more in depth, you know, there's, you know, but when you have to hire someone to, you know, kind of implement and use it, that's always like, hmm, you know, there's got probably an easier way. I mean, of course, there's a lot that you can do in Adobe Analytics. I mean, you know, it's a phenomenal platform, um, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it's, in, it's just, a, it's an interesting, you know, point of view to say that it's stunted, you know, it's stunted because I, I understand that, you know I mean? That, that, and that makes a lot of sense to me. So I'm going to jump in and say one of my more favorite things recently, which is um, just because something can be measured doesn't mean it should be. Uh, Okay. And and Google Analytics gives us the ability to analyze, and so do analytics packages in general, just about everything, right? But at the end of the day, to Bill's point earlier, um, good marketing is good marketing. 
And like the idea of good marketing shouldn't go away just because the numbers aren't always in your favor. Mm -hmm. They're not in your favor right now. doesn't mean they won't be in your favor later. doesn't mean you don't take risks based on what you feel in your gut is right. So like, like a good marketer's gut goes a long way. And like analytics can help tell the story, but they're not always supposed to be the source of the inspiration to Bill's point and or like the end of your capability to actually accomplish it. Like mm -hmm. that's my opinion, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, and I think that especially within organic search, I mean, there's so many levers that you can pull, right? Hundreds of levers that you can pull to make a site go up. Um, and I think the art of, you know, and the talent that comes in this space are folks who know what those levers are and what the right time to, you know, pull them are. You know, and that that to me is something that I've always I've always kind of you know said, and something that's always ranked true to me is that you know for some some things work for some sites that don't work for other sites, and I think a lot of folks, especially when you're going on, you know, when you're going you're looking at at blog posts, and you know, no, you know, like depending on what year they're from or whatever, I think you know everyone thinks that hey, listen, this this person did this, and that's going to work for me, right? And not realizing that sometimes th these other three things will work for you, you know, that don't work for this other person. And it's not always going to work perfectly, you know, for everyone. And that's why I like that. I like that joke because it's knowing where to hit, you know, that, that could be translated to anything, you know, to any business in any vertical that if, if you get someone that knows what they're doing, it's not necessarily about the, well, you know, hey, we did this, this, and this, of course you report on that and all that. But it's like, you know, it's having a person who knows where to hit is, is where the talent is and where, and where that money should go. Hey, Bill, what's a good story knowing where to hit? You got one? Actually, everything we talked about in the beginning with the sharks and the angry dolphins, like that's actually, that, that's very timely and, and relevant to something that we were dealing with where a brand came out of a, uh, a relaunch. Everything was technically sound. We spent a lot of time making sure it was right. You're always going to have a little bit of a dip. 98% of the time, you're going to have a dip. I mean, our job with technical SEO, let's make sure that we can mitigate that dip as much as we can. It's like throwing a rock in the water. There's a ripple effect. The bigger the rock, the, the bigger the ripples, the more time it takes. Well, this one started to take a lot longer coming back. It actually timed with an algorithm update. So we were, you know, not being algorithm chasers. We're like, okay, we know that that's a factor. So we're putting together this thought of here's some of the things that we should go forward with. But the, the, um, the, the execs, you know, coming into Q4, they're kind of like, oh, no, we're down. We got to figure out what went wrong. We can. We don't have a whole lot of time. We definitely should have, you know, if we were going to do this forensic work, we don't want to be doing it in September, right? We're moving into Q4. We, we, we should be planning for our Q4. And it was a massive undertaking <laughs> working with the team and saying, listen, I know this is going to piss you off. And I know that this is a political nightmare on your end, but you got to tell your boss this isn't the right direction. Finally got the boss in. I said, boss, I'm going to look you in the eye because I care about you because, you know, you, you really just are looking at this wrong and, and you're probably going to fire us. Um, didn't fire us, actually was able to take it, was actually able to look at it a different way, which is what I think any good consultant should do, and realign them, get them back on track. They're, they're doing well. They're, they're, going, they're going up. They're, they're just going up a little slower than they wanted to. But we were able to look at something and, and throw ourselves really on the grenade and say, look, we really believe that you're looking at this wrong. Um, it's a good war story because I think, you know, there were some, 
a lot of stress with some of our team and they were like, I don't want to hurt. You know, I don't want to bring be the bearer of bad news, but that's part of what we do sometimes. We have to we have to uh, be true to ourselves and really try to take care. We're not afraid to say no to a client if we think the answer is no. That's what I think they hired us for. Um, how's that for a war story? No, I like that. I mean, it's like you're not here to deliver only good news. You're yeah. here to deliver it one way or the other. And I think a lot of agencies get into that role, right, where they, they think they constantly and only only can deliver good news or else they get immediately fired, right? But I like what you said, that they hire you to, to tell, tell them straight and tell them the truth about if it's good or bad because they want to know if it's good, of course, and of course you always want to give good news, but they really need to know if it's ba- if something's bad yeah. too. Yeah, sh- sugarcoating bad news doesn't really get anyone to move forward and doesn't you know have us accomplishing things and, and growing traffic down the road. So it's I think I always take the kind of more direct like approach with, with my clients. Um, at least I try to be as much as I can. Uh, you know, it depends on, on the situation and everything, but uh, it always turns out it turns out to be better if you're more honest about your opinion, you know, your your true feeling about something. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have a bad day that day, but it's a lot better than having a bad three months, four months, five months after however long your contract is because mm-hmm. you're not afraid to go and say, hey, this is this is not going to work ever. Right. And, and we're just going to always say yes because we're yes men. Yeah, and we can, we can instead start fixing it right now or waste time and kick the tires for three months, you know, or we can just start today and yeah. start moving forward today. So it's, I think it's always just a better approach. And, um, you know, it just, it makes... It's a really good team exercise. You know, you they, they, they you build trust during those moments, and it really it's always a good thing for everyone. Yeah, and you know, speaking of exercises, something that we like to do here on Search on Tap when guests come in is to do an autocomplete, right? So, Bill, we would like to you to give us a word and then try to and come up phrase. with and a, or phrase and or phrase and tell us what you think is going to come up in autocomplete. <laughs> This is a G-rated show. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the, the problem. <laughs> Thirty. Um, this show Eddie is sponsored Murphy, by uh, Disney. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so keep it clean. This is this is very hard. All right. Do you want me to type that in? Uh, yeah, keep let's it look, clean. Uh, no. Keep it clean. No, no. Listen, you know what we're gonna get if you do that. You're gonna. Get... <laughs> Here's a better game. Try to t- try to type anything into uh, image search with safe filters off. And not get porn. <laughs> not in the room that we hold this in in the office. I don't think anyone has that we kind have of two time. Monitors, but... folks, that are facing a glass cube of emotion around us. There's no way we're doing that. And even the most innocent words I'm coming up with, I know you're going to get something nasty. Yeah, it's all good. Do it. Um, how about the word beer? Ah, and we get burr. So the top results are Beer Garden, Beer Near Me. Who the heck is Googling Beer Near Me? People with real problems. (laughs) Beer Advocate, Beer Garden Astoria. What exactly is a Beer Advocate? Does anyone know? It's a website. Stefan, that's that's a beer blog. Stefan, look at the last one. Look at the last one. One of your favorite stories. Oh, Beer Can Chicken. Beer Can Chicken. I am the happiest man ever. Beer Can Chicken. Uh... Beer Can Chicken is an amazing story that I'll have to share another time because I don't want to get into it too long. But um, unless you guys really want me to get into beer, I can think chicken. you should. I think you have to. All right. So, Bill, you may not, may or may not know this. Um, we have a uh, a awesome client um, who actually 
produces grills, right? And um, they actually have a beer can chicken roaster, except it's not called a beer can chicken roaster. Their product department decided they would call it a folding chicken roaster, which doesn't really explain that it has anything to do with beer can. So, of course, I shared this story with one of my other clients, and he's a little bit of a, a Weisenheimer. That's the nice way of saying it, by the way, folks. Uh, and this Weisenheimer went onto their website, went to the chat box, and actually started asking their customer service guy why it wasn't named Beer Can Chicken uh, Roaster. So, clearly, Beer Can Chicken is the predominant way to talk about um, essentially grilling a chicken with a beer can also beer butt chicken is a de- derivative of that which is just where the can happens to go but it is a if you haven't tried it i'm told it is a phenomenally juicy wonderful recipe for chicken which is essentially you put the chicken on top of a beer can and you put it on a grill and the, as the beer bubbles up fumes go into the chicken it I guess infuses it and wonderful, it wonderful, drunk. wonderful. Yeah. It's a drunk chicken, drunk yes, chicken. drunk chicken, exactly. But unfortunately, when product teams decide to call things folding because they think that's the value proposition, no one searches for that. Yet everyone does search for beer can chicken. So that's the uh, the moral of the story is make sure your product people actually look at search volume and have an understanding of audience intent when they make decisions for naming conventions. I love that story. It's a it's a great it's a great customer story where you know and actually you know and it's it's like the you know the perfect example of internal you know jargon versus how at versus customer voice right, mm-hmm. um, which is like hey listen you know no one no one calls this folding chicken stand you know what I mean whatever that means <laughs> you know it's just like it's a beer can chicken that's how people know it that's how people refer to it you go on YouTube there's probably a million videos about beer can chickens probably most of them exploding and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> you know but you know at the end of the day I think it's such a great story to uh, it's such a great story to kind of tie that point home where you know like internal marketing folks and merchandising folks like you know, go out and do a search before you name a product, right? And say like, hey, you know, people are actually searching about it this way. <laughs> so with all of that, um, I think that this was a great conversation. Um, you know, I think that we all here agree that, you know, the four of us agree that, you know, algorithm shifts are a thing that happens, right? It's something that is going to affect us no matter what. Um, taking it back to the sharks and dolphins uh, that Stefan was talking about. Um, Stefan is now pointing to one of our shirts, a conductor that says hashtag shifts happen, uh, you know, because they do and there's nothing we can do about them. So you should be spending your time on your site and on your content and on your users and not worrying so much about a floating math equation out in space that is kind of just floating out there. There's nothing that you can do about it. I would like to take this opportunity to thank Bill Sebald for coming and hanging out with us. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you very much for having me. Yep. I always love it here. Uh, this is so. great. It was great seeing you, man. Uh, Ralph and Stefan, any, any parting thoughts or wisdom? Focus on quality, period. There you go. So yeah, this was a great conversation. As always, Merg, the man who's tickling the boards, what did you think about today? Thumbs up or thumbs down? And we're getting a thumbs up, which is great. So we're about five for five on the thumbs up. I'm starting to think that you're a little biased, but that's okay. (laughs) Bill, again, thank you so much for coming up. Cheers, buddy. Thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please leave Search on Tap or review on iTunes or wherever you found us. You can also follow us on Twitter at Search on Tap. 
For more episodes, please visit conductor.com slash search on tap. time I get to run across the room and Bill lifts me? Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> we'll <go> right through <laughs> the glass. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>